You're tuned to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcasted live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for almost 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, folks, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Good morning, East Tennessee. Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You know, we're a year now, right at a year almost, into the global pandemic, and all of us have been taking stock of how things have changed, how we're currently doing, and maybe most importantly, what does the future hold? You know, the challenges and frustrations for families and businesses have been numerous. Our daily routines look different for sure, especially from 2019 before the pandemic came. And some changes have been positive, like more time spent with family and and kind of slowing down a little bit has been good for me, I know. But many struggle to keep food on the table or balance work with childcare and virtual school. The fears of contracting COVID-19 and recovering without lasting physical damage Uh, There's an uncertain economic world and exhaustion after a contentious national election. They all kind of compound our worries and our fatigue during this unusual time in our lives. And so today, I'm thrilled to have Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs with us. Uh, He's been at the helm leading the county through this pandemic and with economic impacts, educational woes, slow vaccine distribution. How has Knox County fared overall, and maybe most importantly, how are we going to move forward? So let's find out. Please welcome us uh, in joining and welcoming Mayor Glenn Jacobs back to our show. Good morning, Mayor Jacobs. Good morning, Jim. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to have you with us. You're always very generous with your time and very accommodating, and we appreciate that very much. Whether we like it or not, uh, Mayor Jacobs, COVID-19 has really infiltrated every part of our lives, work, school, social life. How has your life changed since the start of this pandemic? Well, uh, I've been very fortunate. My uh, no one in my family close to me has uh, gotten sick, and our health is good. Um, you know, as far as my job, it's impacted that certainly. But I still have a job, and there's a lot of people out there who have suffered losing their jobs uh, or uh, scaling back, as well as their business. So overall, um, you know, I've been uh, very fortunate uh, throughout this entire episode, uh, and my heart goes out to people uh, who have not been so fortunate. Yeah, that's well said. You know, I know myself, my wife and I, and my my youngest daughter, we all contracted COVID-19 right before the new year, and uh, it's just amazing how differently it affects different people, and luckily we came through that. But I know everybody's kind of, if you haven't had it, you're fearful of it. If you have had it, you're dealing with, you know, what kind of leftover repercussions are there. But let's talk a little bit. Last spring and summer, we were just 
waiting and waiting for news of a successful vaccine that maybe could hopefully get us back to a maybe a new normal way of life. And the, the vaccines are here now, but getting a vaccine hasn't been as easy or as quick as we would have liked it to be. And many are frustrated with the rollout of the vaccine. So what's the latest on Knox County's vaccine distribution plans? Sure. I'm sorry, Jimmy, cut out a little bit, but I assume you're asking about the slow vaccine rollout and then plans going forward. That, that um, is exactly right. Yeah. Unfortunately, much of that is controlled by the federal government, and it's really a supply and demand issue. Uh, demand is overwhelming and supply just isn't there. And this is all across the country. Uh, you know, people say, well, why can't we get more in Knox County? It's because everybody, every county in the state of Tennessee is is wanting and needing more. I was on a call yesterday. I have a call every Friday with uh, my colleagues, the other my counterparts in the other counties uh, here in East Tennessee. That's exactly what everybody said. It's the same thing, uh, you know. And if you think about it as a pie, um, the pie is only so big right now. So everybody's fighting over trying to get a bigger piece. Uh, and what really needs to happen is you need to get the pie to get bigger, uh, which I think will you know, happen now that Johnson & Johnson should be moving into approval. Um, so that will help. And we are, we are seeing a little more uh, vaccine coming into Tennessee, but it's really a, a trickle. Um, so in the end, that's just that's the reality of the situation. I wish it was different, um, but... Uh, there's only so much that we can do uh, as a state or as the county uh, with the supply that we get. Uh, and in the end, you know, the, the solution is, is when more supply comes online and really when the private sector gets more engaged. Well, I've heard, you know, the supply chain is such an issue and that, you know, local medical facilities can't really depend on how much they'll get and when they'll get it. Is that still true? Have we started yeah. to become at least a little bit more predictable? Kind of. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I, like with our health department, they're still hesitant uh, about setting certain things up and, and taking, you know, like uh, saying we're going to do a clinic on such and such day because the supply might not come, actually. Um, so I, I think there is a predictable baseline now that's coming, but as far as any extra, uh, that is still hit or miss. Uh, and, and it's the same, again, with everybody. Um, even with our health department and however uh, it's getting dispersed throughout the community. And then the health department is actually uh, now at this point, they're not, they're doing a small percentage of the vaccinations. It is the hospitals and other private providers. Uh, but still that's, that's the issue is, is they're all, you know, they're all just struggling to find supply. Um, I, I saw that Tennessee over the next several weeks is expecting a hundred I think 110,000 doses may be coming to Tennessee you know, over the next three weeks, about per week. Problem with that is we have 95 counties in the state of Tennessee and 6.8 million people, so 110,000 doses sounds like quite a bit. When it's spread out over that area, it's really not that much. Yeah, that doesn't even sound like it makes a dent at all. I mean, I guess it's you know, better than nothing, but that doesn't seem like a lot of doses. Now, what, what about these missing Pfizer vaccines? You know, there's 975 that are unaccounted for. Where are we in that investigation? What's the latest? Yeah, so uh, KPD is investigating um, on the one side. We don't believe that there's any criminal activity, uh, but that's really just to confirm that. Um, and it's also uh, the federal government um, that's the protocol that they prefer is the law enforcement's involved anytime any vaccine goes missing, whether it's everything hepatitis to rabies to this. Um, but we don't think that there's any criminal activity that went on. Uh, 
Pew and Company, which is the county's external audit firm, and they they always investigate all the different things that might happen. Um, they're also conducting an investigation of processes and to, to see what what happened on that side. Um, I can tell you that you know no matter what comes out of this, that um, there's some culpability. Uh, the, the, the health department bears um, a process failed, and no matter what happened, those uh, those vaccines shouldn't have either gone missing or should have been reported that there was a discrepancy, and we could explain what happened to them. At this point, we can't do that. Okay, well, we'll look forward to getting more information on that. Um, before we leave the vaccine, I just want to ask you, you know, I know you're not a scientist, but you've been, I'm sure, in a lot of conversations with scientific community and with doctors and it's interesting to me because the medical community overwhelmingly is accepting the efficacy and the safety of the vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna there is still a small pocket of people including some medical doctors that question the safety of it uh, can you give I mean and I hear from the reason I'm bringing this up Mayor Jacobs is I hear concerns from people that come into my office you know about the safety of it. So, can you shed a little? I mean, I know you're not a scientist, but can you shed a little bit of light over over your perspective of the safety sure. of the of those? Well, sure. I think individually, you know, we always have to accept that uh, anytime we have any sort of medical procedure, no matter what that is, you, know, you go to the doctor and you have a routine surgery. There's a chance that you could die. Okay, no matter what, um, and that's just the way these these it's things work. So, um, you know, overall safety of the vaccine looks like it's very good, um, but there's always going to be a small risk, you know, depending on the factors for the individual. Um, so, you know, that's just something that, that as human beings we have to have to accept. The idea that there's any sort of risk-free medication is, that's completely unrealistic. Um, the, uh, you know, the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines are a little bit different in that uh, they actually use a different modality uh, and they, they uh, use mRNA, messenger RNA, and uh, that goes into the cell and uh, tells the immune system literally kind of reprograms it for a period of time. Uh, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is much more of a conventional vaccine, I believe, in that it uses a weakened virus, uh, which is what, what we've um, always had in the past. So Moderna and, and Pfizer, yeah, they're, they're a new way of doing things. Um, at the same point in time, you know, I, I think that everything thus far shows that uh, they are effective and uh, that they are safe. Um, you know, and I think too, it's, it's um, you know, I, I am definitely, you know, hear these ideas about mandatory vaccinations. Well, you know, I'm definitely opposed to that. I do believe that it has to be a personal decision. I do believe, uh, you know, for me personally, uh, if I'm someone who's older and more at risk, you know, uh, it's pretty high probability that I should be taking it. If I'm someone younger, um, you know, just kind of look and figure that out and maybe, you know, maybe be taking it later, which is kind of how the, the state has done this. Right. Um, but I would encourage everyone to, to, to get, there's so much, there's so much with social media now and the internet and I love them. But there's so much misinformation uh, and yeah. so much th things you have to parse through. So I, I, you have to make your own decision on this stuff. But I would encourage you uh, to be educated about it and not just go on to one website and they say this and say, oh, yeah, that's the truth. You know, you, you really need to take a much more comprehensive approach than that. I think all of that is very well said. Um, I tell you what, uh, Mayor Jacobs, we're visiting with Mayor Glenn Jacobs. Uh, we're talking about kind of where Knox County is. When we come back, I'm going to get into the economic impact 
But with what you just said about the vaccine and whether it'll be required or not, I do want to talk to you a little bit when we first come back about the balance of personal liberty and freedom versus the societal good and things like mask mandates and all those kind of things, because I know there's continues sure. to be some debate there at the county. So uh, we'll, we'll have that and the economic challenges and where Knox County's going. Please stay tuned as we visit more with Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs right here on More Living with Jim Brogan. You're tuned in to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. And thanks for joining us. We're visiting with Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs. He's taking time out of his busy schedule to bring us up to date on everything. And uh, there before the break, uh, Mayor Jacobs, I did, and it's all connected here because we're going to get into the economic impact in restaurants and, you know, balancing, the idea of balancing regulation and what's good for society with personal freedom. And, you know, there's been a lot of controversy about mask mandates and, you know, regulation of when restaurants and bars can close. Talk to us just a little bit. I know you're all about personal liberty and freedom. Uh, as I am too, and so talk a little bit about the balance, the balancing act uh, that's involved there, and then also working with others uh, in the area that, that that maybe you have to have compromise. <laughs> that's a great question, and you hit hit it right on the head with that last part. I think where we need to start is uh, stopping the vitriol and the hatred, and understand that people have different concerns concerns and come at things from different angles. You know, I'm, I get accused of, oh, I think that the uh, virus is a hoax. And I, I'm infuriated by that because I know people that have died. And, you know, for someone to say that, oh, you just think this is a hoax, you don't think this is real, well, okay, whatever. Um, likewise, you know, I don't think that everybody who uh, is on the other side of some of these issues is a tyrant who wants to completely shut down society and, and impose um, impose a, a dictatorship on our on our country. Um, so I think that's the first thing is understanding that there are different perspectives here and respecting that. Uh, my perspective is that um, it it's what is government's role, and when government becomes larger and more controlling, uh, people's ability to act, uh, their freedom is is diminished. And unfortunately, what the case has been is, as Rahm Emanuel once said, never waste a good crisis. When government expands because of a crisis, it never contracts back all the way. Uh, and that makes, that, that is very concerning to me. Um, and some of the things that have been done throughout this uh, throughout the pandemic, uh, such as blanket shutdowns of business, you know, I, I can't find that anywhere where that's allowed, where the U.S. Constitution guarantees due process. And uh, a governor or whoever can't just shut all these businesses down because they believe that's what should be done. Even, even if the science says that, you know, there's a process that has to be, that they have to go through. Uh, Christy Noem, who's governor of South Dakota, said my view on masks exactly the other day. A reporter accused her of, you know, claiming that masks are ineffective. And she's like, that's not what I said. 
you know, I've said that in certain situations, worn correctly and all those things, I believe there's some effect, uh, some efficacy, but that's not a decision the government should be making. That should be up to the individuals. We often forget we live in a society where we, we do value freedom. We value democracy, which means that people have a say in how they're governed, uh, the laws that are in place. And when we say that people are too irresponsible to take certain actions or to do certain things, uh, we're really questioning to me we're really questioning democracy itself because what we're saying is the average person out there is too stupid to protect themselves. You know, and that's why, uh, you know, I've, I've, with, with the Board of Health, I've never voted against any of their guidance. I've voted against a lot of the regulations. But when they've issued guidelines, more power to you, you know, um, because I think people should listen to those. At the same point in time, uh, government is force. Government makes people do things. Okay. In the end, government can throw people in jail if they don't do things. Uh, and we have to be very careful with that power. Well, so let's let's tie that in, uh, Mayor Jacobs, with the economic impact here. You know, a lot of small businesses, especially retail and restaurants and bars, have had to close. Uh, some have been able to kind of survive would be a good way to say that, I think. What have been some of the biggest challenges from your perspective and, and Knox County's role in helping small businesses keep their doors open? Sure, and it really is uh, the hospitality industry and how heavily they've been hit. Uh, and uh, a lot of a lot of them have been able to alter their business model um, and been able to survive. But you know, when we're talking about um, 50% occupancy and capacity and then 50% revenue. Uh, I don't think there's any business in the world that can survive on 50% revenue. So it's been, uh, been a challenge, especially for them, uh, for the hotels, uh, at the beginning, other businesses of course are being impacted, but, um, I think that they've been able to somewhat come back as, uh, many of the restrictions have been uh, lifted. Um, overall, we're actually, Knox County is actually in a good place. Uh, Tennessee's in a very good place compared to a lot of the states around the country. Uh, and, and we see that, you know, we have, um, <laughs> there's so many, so many businesses that can't wait to get out of California and come to a place like Tennessee, uh, because, uh, we have been much more reasonable uh, on businesses with how we've handled the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, nevertheless, I think ultimately, we need to rephrase that, though. It's not how it impacts businesses. It's really jobs. And, uh, you know, we don't want to destroy people's ability to make a living and to destroy jobs. And that's what it is in the end for me. Um, so the more that we can do to help sustain uh, jobs throughout the rest of the pandemic, the better. And I, th I think we're moving in that direction. If you look at our numbers, they've gone down significantly. Our hospitalizations are down significantly. Um, and I'd also like to say that, you know, a lot of the restaurants in town, you know, they've, they've done a great job of protecting their customers and protecting their employees. Uh, so that's something that we often forget. Um, but, you know, the most important thing that we can do as individuals is patronize small businesses in our community. Well, I completely agree with that. Uh, you know, on unemployment, you're right, it's keeping people employed and being able to make a living. Claims across the U.S. continue to be pretty high. So how is Knoxville done when it comes to unemployment and adding jobs back into the market? And what assistance has the county been able to offer to those that have been unemployed due to the pandemic? 
Yeah, the uh, you know, of course, unemployment is a state program. It's it's not uh, a county program uh, per se. So a lot of the, the from the assistance from the government has come from the state. Uh, early on, with the federal government, you had the PPP uh, loans, and here a lot of companies that did take advantage of those. Uh, unfortunately, that was skewed uh, as government programs often end up being uh, towards larger businesses because they were the ones that knew how to apply. They were the ones that could get in line first, and a lot of smaller businesses got left out. But there there were some that were able to take advantage of that um so you know for for me uh, again it, it's trying to have, have a business environment which is friendly which is welcoming which says that we want businesses to come here um and when we look at the future there's really good things happening here you know the uh, the east town mall property uh was sold uh to a, one of the large online retailers it appears uh and they'll be bringing in about 700 jobs to an area now that's blighted where there's nothing uh another company uh, a global it company is coming they're going to bring 300 jobs uh 68,000 dollars a year uh at medium income so and, and some of those you know they'll bring some people in from the outside but some of those people will be folks that already live here um so again the way i look at things is it's just encouraging um economic growth but when i talk about economic growth i'm really talking about more good high paying jobs uh and that's what we can do and it's not necessarily something that we're going to do um like the state does or the, or the federal federal government does through direct handouts um but just working with everybody to you know to try to make sure that we're the best place that they can be and that they want to be here and on on the uh the regulation aspect of this mayor i know you know we want businesses to have as few restrictions as possible to be able to run effectively and employ people to bring it back to what you were talking about with employment and so there's this balancing act again you know you've been against uh you know closing restaurants and bars at a specific time of the day can you just kind of talk a little bit about that again that that you know we want to encourage sure. businesses to be open but we want to protect people Sure, and I think everybody has to keep in mind the state already has the Tennessee Pledge, which uh, businesses are uh, really required uh, to abide by, and that's what we follow here in Tennessee, and that does have things like occupancy uh, limits and that sort of thing. Um, you know, and then when we look at uh, the closure hours on restaurants and bars, um, you know, you'll, you'll talk to uh, many restaurants in town that, that serve alcohol, and it's actually the last hour that – uh, they get a significant portion of their revenue. And I, I also take the, uh, the view that, you know, people are going to do certain things. And if people want to go out to a bar and watch a football game or a basketball game uh, and have a drink or uh, more than one, um, they're going to do that. And if you shut down the bars, they might end up going to someone's house. They might end up going to a party. You know, all these various things. You can't, you can't just – prohibitions rarely work. And you can't just say, no, you can't do that because people are going to find a way to do that. And having a business that can actually provide some oversight, I think, is much better um, than just saying, you know, hey, we're going to go over to, to Joe's house because the place we normally go is shut down. You know, um, we've even talked with business owners uh, that, that, you know, what they've done is they've really upped their uh, their air handling capacity and they put sanitizers in the air ducts. Well, most people aren't doing that at their homes or their apartments. Um, 
So, you know, there's, again, there's, there's all these unintended consequences. And when government comes in and uses a one-size-fits-all, somewhat heavy-handed approach, uh, unfortunately, those unintended consequences become reality. We're visiting with Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs. When we come back, I want to get into the educational side and our, our schooling system and the challenges with educating our kids virtually uh, and where we are on that and all the things that Knox County is doing to try to improve the learning experience. So please do stay tuned. we got a lot more important things to talk about with Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. And thanks for tuning in. We're on every Saturday at both 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Uh, you can follow us online at BroganFinancial.com. Uh, we got a lot of resources there to help you follow us and stay informed so you can make prudent decisions to impact the quality of your life. Uh, I am in my final segment today. I'm going to have my dollars and cents segment. I've been getting a lot of questions recently. Jim, the markets are at all-time highs, continue to surge to all-time highs. Surely we're in for a correction. How do we handle our money? I'm going to talk about that very specific subject, but I do want to mention to you my next class College class is through Pellissippi State. Uh, it's out at the Hardin Valley campus, and it's on March the 2nd and 9th. So it's a week from Tuesday, two two-hour sessions, and it's easy getting in and out of there in West Knoxville. And uh, in two two-hour sessions, I'm going to cover seven main topics. You can get the syllabus. The name of the class is Thrive Financially in Retirement. And you can get the syllabus and see the course content at Pellissippi Retirement Planning. Dot com. Again, that's PellissippiRetirementPlanning.com. You can get more information and click to register. <clears throat> then I do have a class the end of the spring at UT. To get my full class schedule, excuse me, you can go to BroganFinancial.com and click on classes. But in this class coming up at Pellissippi State, I'm going to talk about the key components of developing a successful financial plan for retirement and what are the risks to retirement income. Because in retirement, it becomes a lot less about how much you have and a lot more about how you take what you have and generate stable income that increases over time to fight inflation. We're visiting this morning with Dr. Or excuse me, with Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs. Sorry about that, Mayor Jacobs. Um, let's talk. I want to call you a doctor. Yeah, I want to call you a doctor. My mom always wanted me to be. She always wanted me to be a doctor, so that's okay. Okay. Well, you can tell her, hey, for for five seconds this morning on the radio, you were a doctor. Hey, let's talk about let's talk about education. Um, you know, there's been a lot of concern about the educational losses of students during months of no school, like in the spring, and then virtual platforms that have been a reality in this school year. What are some ways your office administration have helped Knox County students 
uh, to impact their learning loss and, and minimize the impact of that? Well, sure, and, and thanks for bringing that up, Jim. And uh, also, um, I would like to uh, just say how much uh, I grieve for the uh, shootings of uh, the Austin East students over the past month, uh, as our entire community does. That's a, a terrible, a terrible situation. Um, second of all, Knox County Schools, I think, have done an outstanding job of keeping kids in school as much as possible. Um, many of the issues that they face have been um, lack of, of workforce, uh, with uh, teachers being quarantined and then substitutes not being available to take their place. And that's why, in some cases, they've gone to virtual learning. Uh, but overall, I think that uh, they have done a marvelous job of keeping in kids in school in person as much as possible. I think that's very important. Um, I think especially in our at-risk communities, um, you know, kids need structure. Kids need positive role models. And uh, that's what teachers, administrators, coaches, that's what they provide. It's what they did in my life. Um, so I worry not only about the academic loss, but uh, also that, uh, not being exposed to those positive role models in many cases. A um, couple things that we're doing um, is we have our program, Reach to the USA. Uh, you can visit it, reachtheusa.com. And the idea is just to get, get people and families reading and to impact early childhood literacy. We have a literacy crisis across this country at the early childhood age. Here in Tennessee, only about a third of our third graders read a grade level. And the reason that's so important is because third grade is one of the primary metrics to determining high school graduation rates uh, and as well as just successful life outcomes. Um, so the more that we can get kids reading and enjoy to read, uh, the better. And that's what that program is trying to do. Um, also, along with the schools, uh, they'll be launching uh, Elevate High School next year, which is a recovery high school for students that I believe it's next year. I'm, actually, I might have spoken on that, but, but that is coming. Um, but that's a recovery high school for students who suffer with substance misuse and uh, issues. Uh, they're kind of the forgotten population when we talk about substance misuse. And we always think about adults, and we forget that uh, kids also, uh, in many cases, have problems with this. Um, and just overall, we've tried to support schools as much as we possibly can. Um, again, I don't think that virtual learning, is, as much as as much as schools have done a great job, uh, you know, I don't think it's a replacement for in-person learning. And I do think that moving forward, we're going to see some loss. Uh, the state is aware of that too. They had a special session. Uh, uh, earlier this year uh, to to address that. Um, so everybody's aware of it, and hopefully we can all work together to overcome um, more of a learning loss. Every year we see, as you mentioned, we see a gap in the summer when kids aren't in school, and uh, they regress slightly from where they were the year before. So, of course, the first few weeks of school are really devoted to remedial work. Um, and everyone's fear is that that's going to get worse this year because of, uh, in many cases, the lack of in-person learning. Yeah, I think the in-person is so crucial. And it, as you kind of touched on, I mean, it's not just the academic learning, but the social development and all those things that go with that. Now, you mentioned the tragedies with the gun violence, uh, Mayor Jacobs, and, you know, it's really rocked Knoxville, and it is horrible. 2020, to my understanding was the deadliest year on record for gun violence in Knoxville. What steps is the county and sheriff's department taking to curb this trend? 
Well, it wasn't it wasn't just uh, homicides. Of course, suicides are up. Uh, drug related uh, deaths are up as well. Um, and I think a lot of that is due to the pandemic, especially with suicides and drug related deaths. Um, and you know, overall, just like every other, this is not confined to Knox County. It's all across the country. Um, and I think that some of these issues are, are more long term. Um, 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 the uh, ambassador to the UN and Mayor of Atlanta, Andrew Young, once said that nothing stops a bullet like a job. And I think that's so true. And I, I think the key is economic opportunity. It's workforce development. When we say workforce development, we're talking about education. We're talking about training. One of the things that the county is doing, uh, hopefully we'll be able to launch this um, Hopefully we'll be able to this this year, that's what we're shooting for, is an apprenticeship center uh, where uh, young young people that are just entering the workforce in the building trades uh, can get their apprenticeship, their NCCER certification, as well as working with uh, TCAT Knoxville so they can expand some of their programming. Um, and I just think that's vitally important. That's not going to solve these problems overnight. Um, but I think that a lot of these issues uh, really have to do with opportunity and um, with expanding opportunity, especially in our areas that suffer from high crime rates and showing young people that, you know, you can earn a good living other than joining the gang where you're going to end up in jail or dead. Um, you know, and again, that's, that's not, not that's going to happen overnight, uh, but we have to start somewhere and, and we're trying to do that. Let's talk a little bit. We're visiting with Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs this morning on More Living as you listen to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Let's talk about Knox County's budget. You know, you took, a, I think, about a $4 million hit last year. Are you getting ready, or as you're getting ready to prepare the next budget, um, talk a little bit about those challenges and what the county is doing. Sure. It's actually been a, su- a surprise for us um, that – uh, our our sales tax is is up year over year, um, and everything else is held pretty steady, with the exception of hotel motel tax. Um, so, That's you know, we, uh, it, it it really is, it really is. And again, I, I think a lot of that's due to just uh, Tennessee, you know, being a great place to do business. Um, so, some of the issues and challenges now. And you, I don't know if you agree with me on this or not, Jamie. I, I don't think this is a one-off, though, with COVID as far as, you know, uh, now everything looks, the pandemic hopefully is winding down and now everything is blue skies in the economy. I don't think that's the case at all. I think that the impact of the, the COVID pandemic is going to be felt for years to come. Uh, but for the short term, yeah, for the short term, I think that many of the issues that we're concerned about haven't materialized yet. Of course, we still have to be good stewards of the people's money. Um, just because we have some extra money doesn't mean we need to go out and spend it. We we need to, you know, either save it or pay down debt or uh, put it into projects that, that are really needed. Uh, but nevertheless, we're actually in, in really good fiscal shape, and we're really happy where we are. Which, if you'd asked me last year at this time, uh, you would have got a completely different answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. That, that I mean, that's shocking to me that all the, except for the hotel motel taxes, that the county, the revenues have really stayed pretty strong. That's pretty amazing. So I think it does speak yes. a lot to um, East Tennesseans' spirit, that volunteer spirit of trying to do everything we can to patronize local businesses. Don't you think that's a lot to do with that? Absolutely. One of the really bright parts uh, of the pandemic is, and you knew this was going to happen because of the kind of people we are, uh, just people helping out, 
Um, and whether it's through nonprofits, whether it's through charity, what they were doing personally, uh, or whether, as you say, as patronizing a small businesses. There's a restaurant that I go to out, a lot out in halls. They've had, they, they had their best year ever last year because people just wanted them to stay there. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, you know, we, we take care of each other. And I think at times like this and crisis, that becomes even more important, but also becomes more evident. Absolutely. Now, I do want to, before I let you go, Mayor, I do want to ask you, uh, on, a, on the fun side, you returned to the uh, WWE's Royal Rumble. You got back into the ring fairly recently. First off, how hard is it to stay in wrestler shape these days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, uh, I, they'd asked me to, um, to do that uh, a little while back, I guess a few weeks before the, the actual event. And uh, at the time I agreed to it, it sounded like a great idea. Uh, the closer <laughs> that I got to actually, <laughs> actually got to it, the more I was like, I don't know about this. Um, but it, it, it is, uh, you know, it's always fun to be able to go back and do that. Um, that'll always be a part of my life. Uh, it's kind of neat to see how WWE has adapted to the pandemic and what they're doing. Uh, it's strange because so much of the, the uh, pro wrestling business, uh, the performance aspect involves audience participation and they don't have an audience. So that makes it really difficult. My, my hat's off to the, the people that are currently doing that because I don't know if I've been able, been able to be successful at all. Um, just cause it's such a weird environment. Um, but overall it was, uh, it was fun. Um, WWE has, uh, agreed to donate, uh, the money that they would have paid me to, uh, TCAT Knoxville for a scholarship fund yes. that we set up last year, and in well, fact, you donated uh, and you donated five thousand dollars earlier this year to start yeah. that. You're right. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, I did, and I'm uh, really happy to do that. But also, I know that WWE uh, will pad my payout on that, so so TCAT will will uh, will get get a little more than um, than I expected. So I'm really happy about all that. Oh, that's great. Uh, in closing, uh, Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs, what are you looking forward to for Knox County as we move forward in 2021? Well, as I said, I'm really looking forward to our Building Trades Career Academy, getting that off the ground. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, so some other um, projects that we have going on that I think are going to uh, transform parts of our community. Uh, we're finishing up uh, the uh, – uh, well, actually – We'll start to build out very soon on the TVA tower uh, and get schools over there, which will uh, release the uh, uh, AJ building back into the private sector. Um, partnership there with the University of Tennessee system. Um, there's just a lot of great things going on. Uh, look forward to, to more uh, deeper, better relationships with uh, with folks that, University of Tennessee with TVA, with Oak Ridge National Laboratory, I still believe that those powerhouse institutions are the key to our economic success, um, and we have great people that we partner with in all of those. Uh, so I really think that the future is extremely bright for Knox County and really for all of East Tennessee. That's great. Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. Thank you for your leadership and your time, your accommodation, and uh, for all the hard work that you and all the crew over with the city and the county have been putting in to help drag us through this and really lead us forward in, in, in you know as we recover from this pandemic. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Absolutely. You as well. That's Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs. When we come back, you know, I've been getting a lot of questions as the market has continued to surge to new highs. Jim, 
or we do a correction, what, how should we be handling our investments? So stay tuned as you listen to more Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. That was great visiting with Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs. If you missed part of that interview, we will have the, the full podcast on our website Monday. Uh, that is broganfinancial.com. If you click on radio show, it'll pull it right up. You can listen to it and download that podcast. Uh, it is time for dollars and cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan and our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. As the markets have surged to new highs as we've headed into the latter part of February here, how should you be handling your investments? I've had a lot of people ask me, Jim, surely the market's going to correct. So here's how I would respond to that, and, and how should you be handling your investments? You know, we never know the future, especially in the shorter term. And while on the one hand, I could paint a picture that would indicate that the market is due a correction, I could also paint a picture that the market should search to new highs continuing through this year. I mean, we're likely to see, we're going to see more government stimulus from Congress. We're going to see the Federal Reserve has announced they're going to continue their bond-buying program, which basically means injecting cash into the economy. So there's a lot of lot more stimulus to come, and, the, and the, the stock market likes that stimulus. So in the short term, it's really folly. We just don't know. So I think the key is, when you look at your market investments, is you need a financial plan that allows you to focus out five to seven or even eight years. So that means if you're retiring or are already retired, you have secured income without depending on market investments. You know, you don't want to be selling investments that go up and down in value every month and week and every day to fund income. You know, if you're a younger person and you have a need for some cash, you don't want to sell off investments if they're in the if they're down substantially in a bear market. You know, we want our market investments to have a little bit of time to them in terms of our time horizon. So think about it this way. You know, what we know is over time, we're going to have bull market runs. We're going to have bear market busts. So we're going to have all that. And we just don't know when they're going to come. And so the key is, you know, if your investment mix, your risk mix, is invested with an eye for six or seven years from now, then all of a sudden it doesn't seem as important as to, you know, when is the next bear market? Is it going to be next month or next year or in three years? I mean, in the next seven or eight years, we're probably going to have a bear market. I mean, we could have two. But when is when are they going to be? We don't know. But if you're focusing out seven or eight years, 
you're not as worried about that. So it's securing income and short-term cash needs with holdings that are not in the stock market. And then the second key is to balance the amount of risk. Now, you don't lose too much because it does take a lot of time to recover losses. You know, if you're invested with a 15- or 20-year time horizon, you can afford to take a lot of risk. But if you're looking out seven or eight years in your retirement plan, you can't take full-on stock market risk. So assess that balance in your financial plan. That's our Dollars and Cents segment for this week. You can find this week's Dollars and Cents segment and others by visiting BroganFinancial.com. Thanks for tuning in this week. Check out our website, BroganFinancial.com. My next class is at Pellissippi State uh, Community College out in Hardin Valley. It is March the 2nd and 9th. You can visit PellissippiRetirementPlanning.com for more information. Many thanks to Knox County Mayor Glenn Jacobs for, for being with us this morning. Thank you, Chris, engineering the show, and thank you, Jill, producing the show, as our goal every week is to bring you great information uh, to allow you to live the best years of your life your way. So thank you for tuning in as you've been listening to More Living, only on Knoxville's uh, News and Talk of East Tennessee, News Talk 98.7. W-O-K-I. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.